Thanks, Mark. Good morning, everybody. Um, good to be able to share with you today, and we're, we're going to keep going with a series that we started last week, um, which is called Honoring the Legacy, which is a little bit different. So what, what we normally do here on a Sunday is kind of just preach through the Bible or teach through the Bible, and, and we'll be going back through Matthew soon, which is what we've been been doing most of the time. Um, but then sometimes we take take some time just to focus on a, on a topic or, or a theme that we kind of feel like isn't important. And I shared last week that this this theme is kind of linked to the history of our church, um, Rivers Church of Christ, and uh, particularly because the church will be 50 years old next year. So I sort of feel like that's a, a significant milestone that we really want to want to celebrate. So as a part of that, um, we've been using this this phrase that we want to honor the legacy of the church and also release the future because we're in this this process of generational change and we'd love to see it continue into the into the future. And um, if you weren't here last week, um, you can always catch up on online. But I shared some of the history and legacy of Rivers being a family church, uh, it being uh, started by families and carried by families, and and our goal is that it would feel like a, a family and. Like, like any family, uh, uh, there's, they're not perfect, and, and there's many ways in which Rivers has fallen short of that at times, and, and maybe people have not experienced family here as well, and that's, that's really not good and not our, our goal, but in the legacy and in our heart is that this would be a place and a community of family, and families have fun, and there's lots of fun aspects that I've heard, lots of stories about. There's some pictures up there you can kind of see of lots of dress-ups that's a big part of the history I've learned is dress-ups. Um, uh, one, at one time, they had a big thing called Bethlehem Markets here. Where everyone dressed up like in the first century. They had animals in here, and people would come and walk through at Christmas. It's another time when they dressed up as medieval theme. And there's a new one that I didn't even know about, which was mock weddings. They would have church mock weddings where people would get married to each other who are not married and have a, have a breakfast. And they're married to other people, but they still get married. And, and just, just for fun. Um, so... You can ask people about that. I only heard about that. <laughs> not, not, it was more about having breakfast, I think, than having, having a wedding and doing some dress-ups. That is great. Um, but so lots of fun. And good, healthy families have fun and grow together. And that's been a part of River's history. But what I want to talk about and focus on today, though, is that families really aren't just about gathering and being together. And they're not just about fun, although... That is good and, and true as well. Families actually do something much more significant than that. They actually form people. People grow and develop uh, in different ways based on their family. Families are not just groups that gather, but they're actually groups that form and transform and grow people. Obviously, literally, children. And everybody, everybody is incredibly impacted by their family. Uh, your family of origin... It has a huge impact from the early years of your life on the person that you become. And there's certain things that you inherit from your family, and then there's certain things that your family culture does that forms you into a certain type of person, either for good or for bad, in, in all families with a mix of both. Families are formational. Um, and that's whether it's intentional or unintentional. Uh, good, healthy families right, intentionally are trying to grow their children to be mature and to be able to, to go and to live and start their own families. But whether intentional or unintentional, our families shape us and form us. So as a church family, our goal is not just to gather and just to have fun. We're actually about forming people 
and growing people and actually changing and transforming that we actually want to grow people, we want to grow children, we want to grow people who don't know God to come in and be transformed to believe and reflect and live out the way of Jesus and actually experience deep change. We see this again in Scripture. As, as I mentioned last week, God works through families and, and particularly through the, the people of Israel who are God's family. And in that passage that Mike read out before, there's this command to, to love God with everything, to love with all your heart is the command, but then the command is to actually impress that on to the children. It's actually, this is a family that's defined by love for God, and then uh, actually to form and shape their kids to also grow up and be transformed to love God. And it's pretty immersive. It, it says, talk about these commands when you, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, Bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. It's this idea that the, the, the people of Israel are to create in their homes this ecosystem, this environment that just totally immerses people in the goodness and life of God so that when their children grow up, they also grow up to love God with their heart. They're to be forming. And in some ways, you kind of read that today and we might think that that sounds like brainwashing or something like that or like we should just let kids make make their own choice. But the truth is, people are forming our children and people are forming us, whether we like it or not. If you think about advertisers and um, the movies and, and Disney, like, right? they have products that kids literally put on their heads and put on their arms and, and wear and talk about all the time because advertisers want to shape them to be people who love their, their product. So, so our children and us ourselves are being formed all the time what we need is counterformation, intentional family formation, so that we actually grow to know and love God and become like Jesus. Again, we see this in, in Scripture. There's an example of, of someone being formed in their family and in their church and by others to then actually become someone who can represent God in, in society. And this person's name is Timothy. Um, there's a couple of letters written to him by the Apostle Paul in, in the New Testament, and you can start to see this formation journey in some of these letters. I'll just read these couple of verses. In, in, in 2 Timothy, this is a letter written to him, and Paul, who's writing to him, says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. This, this, this man, Timothy, had a grandmother who was a follower of Jesus and a mother, and you can see that they have impact and shaped him to also follow Jesus. And Paul in chapter 3 writes, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy grew up in a home where from being a baby, he was immersed in the truth about God, the God of the Old Testament, the God in Jesus, so that he would know and be able to live and, and follow him. And it's interesting because he, this was someone who lived in the early days of the church. So there was lots of other ideas and beliefs that were seeking to form him and shape him, particularly Greek culture. But his family, particularly his mother, his church community formed him to follow Jesus, and there was opposition, even within his own family, potentially, because we see in Acts 16, his father wasn't a believer. So we see some more insight into this, this man's formation in Acts 16. 
It says, Paul came to, to Derby. This is sort of the narrative of how they met. Paul came to Derby and then to, to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. And then they, then they go and they, they travel and they, they did ministry together. And it, it, it's interesting because you can see that, again, Timothy's father wasn't a believer, yet his mother still intentionally taught him and shaped him and, and grew him to know Jesus. And then it says that the believers in Timothy's area spoke well of him. It's like he grew up in this this church community that shaped him and formed him and then even recommended him to Paul. And then Paul, who's, who's this church leader, comes along and decides to take him with him and also trains him and teaches him and then sends him on mission. And ultimately, he becomes the leader of the church at Ephesus. And this is really a picture of what we want to see happen, that, that people grow, children grow, or when people come to know Jesus, they come into a family, they grow. But really, if we use the sort of metaphor of family, the, the goal of a family, right, is to equip and train and teach a child so that they can grow into independence so that they can be released and then they can go and start their own family or serve or, or contribute in society. It's actually, children is not something that you seek to have and hold and, and control or keep. Actually, from the moment that you have a child, the, the, the goal is to let them go more and more and release them and send them and encourage them. And really, that's what the church is called to do, and that's what Christian families are called to do, is to raise people to know and love God, reflect His values, so that then they can go and serve. So the church is not just a family for the sake of being family. The church is a family for the sake of formation, from actually growing and transforming people, particular emphasis today on, on children, but this could be all people who come in, children in the faith in a sense of new believers as well. And this has been a legacy of Rivers, that this has been our focus and our goal. And it's really been summarized in this catchphrase that you might recognize called No, Grow, Go. Alan Herman, who was a pastor here a little while ago, I remember him talking lots about this. And this is really the, the mission statement of us as a church, that this is why we exist, that we want to see people know God, be growing to be like Jesus, and then go and represent Him. Which means that the sort of end goal of our church, right, is actually not what we're doing right now, that in the sense of just this, right? The goal is not to get as many people here as we can on a Sunday, and then that's that's awesome, right? Because we could get hundreds and hundreds of people here on a Sunday and nobody is knowing, growing, and going, right? They're just sitting there. Like, that's not the goal. The goal is not just to get people together and have coffee. The goal is not just to have nice music. All of those things have a purpose. And the purpose is actually about formation, or the, the word we often use is discipleship or, or transformation, actually growing to be like Jesus. And this has been uh, the legacy of Rivers. Like I said, um, last week I talked a little bit about the, the fifth anniversary of the church because we're leading into the, to the 50th anniversary. There was the fifth anniversary which, which they celebrated in 1980, and it was in the newspaper. <laughs> like, there's actually, when I looked at the history of Rivers, there's a lot of things that happened here that are in the newspaper. And it just shows that, like, the culture has changed a lot. Like, nobody cares what happens here now, right? But I, there's a newspaper article. The first pastor who worked there, he got in the newspaper for it. Like, I didn't get in the newspaper. <laughs> like, but but this, the, the fifth anniversary got in the newspaper. And here's the clipping. 
And just think about that no, grow, go. Do you see evidence of it as I, as I read this? Church celebrates, Pine Rivers Church of Christ is celebrating its fifth anniversary with a let's grow and go in 8-0 theme. On Friday, February 15, a youth meeting and coffee shop was held. On February 16, a dinner and film with guest artists was conducted. And on February 17, building up the temple of the Lord, turning our world upside down, and a community-exposed supper were held to celebrate the anniversary. All meetings were held at the old Bakehouse Strathpine, and guest speaker was John Tim, State Evangelist of the Churches of Christ in Queensland. That was in the newspaper for the fifth anniversary in 1980. And you can see, even from back there, this focus, right? There's a focus on gathering, but it was for a purpose. It's, it's for worship. This theme of building up the temple of the Lord is around worship. This theme of turning the world upside down, right, is about mission. There's obviously a heart to reach out to youth, a heart to reach out to the community, that we still carry that today, like 45 years later. That's been in our legacy. And No Grow Go has kind of been the focus. We've actually, um, in recent years, just sort of updated the wording a bit and expanded it a bit to, to sort of articulate what we mean by that. And you might have seen it worded like this, that our mission is to be people who are knowing God and loving Him wholeheartedly, growing as devoted followers of Jesus together, and going and living as His people in the world. Now, it doesn't really matter how we word it. Again, what matters is that this is what people are experiencing, that, that as they connect with our community, as people participate in our community, they are seeking to themselves and help others know, grow, and go. And Rivers has so many stories and a rich history that I can't talk about all of people doing that, of people taking seriously their own formation, of people listening to what God is saying and, and growing personally, and then actually going and serving here and in other contexts. Many people here have decided to start initiatives and ministries to support this church, whether they're home groups, whether they're playtimes, whether they're other things. Uh, other people have sought to do that in, in ministries that are sort of associated but aren't necessarily from our church as well. And then many people have gone literally overseas, like there's been people go to Vanuatu, to Uganda, to, to China, to Thailand, other places, I'm sure, as well. And even as we prayed, prayed for Nick and Cass, who, who Nick came through rivers in, in high school as a youth, has, has grown and then felt God calling him and his wife to go, literally to, to Turkey and um, Turkish Cyprus, and are there now helping people affected by this earthquake. And just on that, um, we prayed for them before. They actually sent out some information um, this week about how we can help help them because what they're doing right now is um, take they've got some apartments as a church and they're trying to furnish them to um, house people who are homeless affected by the earthquake and they're seeking some support for that. They've worked it out that for a thousand dollars they can they can basically provide an apartment for somebody. So I'll just send an email around later and if that's something you'd like to to support them with you can you can do that as well. But that's just some aspects. There's many others, things that where people have, have grown in their walk with Jesus and then gone, like the, the ladies who have gone for years and have sold, uh, have made handmade items, have gone to Sanford, have sold them and given the money to the, to the poor. And that's had this impact around the world. Others who have gone to Red Frogs, who have become chaplains, who've gone into retirement villages, or the many ministries that we still have that, that care for young people, or many people that just take seriously their, their call in their workplace to represent Jesus or their 
family. So we have a history of this, and, and not just of people doing it themselves, but that rivers actually being a place that, that people can come into, and then they catch it too, that they start to recognize that they can grow, they can serve, they can contribute, and are actually encouraged and supported to do that. Rivers has a legacy of that, particularly with youth and young people, and I'm actually a result of it. Um, I found this picture um, with some of the history documents. That's a picture of the night service in 2010. I came at the end of 2005. I don't know if you can see me. I look pretty different. That's me. I have probably the same amount of hair, but not in the same place. Um, <laughs> it's shifted. And I'm not wearing shoes. And nobody wore shoes back then when they came here. That was, and I thought that was so cool. I came here at the end of school, and when I came, I had a foundation of discipleship from my family, and um, from, from my parents, from my home church, from my school, um, particularly from a neighbor who we were close friends with, whose mum would pray for us and would sleep over, and she taught me the Lord's Prayer, and I had this foundation of, of discipleship, but my, my brother started coming here, and then I started coming in high school because there were people here who went into the school that I was a part of and just got to meet kids and got and I thought, wow, they're pretty cool. And then they invited me to come as well. And then I felt like welcomed and, and supported. And uh, I had a faith, but but coming here and particularly seeing young people who are, who are passionate, who are serving God, and then being told that I can do that too, actually activated something in me. And there was a whole lot of stuff happening at that time, but that was the season when I was baptized. I started as a youth leader. I was encouraged in lots of different ways. I even remember, again, there was a night service when Andrew and Gretel came back from YWAM, which they were overseas doing missions work and, and, and were sharing about that. So then I went home and I told my parents that I'm dropping out of uni and I'm going to YWAM. <laughs> and I didn't go to YWAM, but I did drop out of uni. <laughs> but I ended up doing a, a whole lot of ministry that year, particularly with Rivers. I ended up going to, to a lot of local schools, doing a lot of evangelism. Um, studying the Bible, ended up going to Bible college. And then I w this is the place where I was encouraged to, to preach and to, to share and just give an opportunity to have a crack and, and fail. And, and I was so scared. And even when Alan used to be here, um, I would be down to preach and I would cancel like two days before and then he'd have to come up with something. And, but he was gracious and, and kind. This, this was a place that was supportive and encouraging. And then ultimately have been a long journey of being encouraged into, into pastoral ministry as well. And this, so th this was just an example. This was an environment that I came into and was activated in to, to know, grow, go, and particularly learn by just being given a crack and being given an opportunity to, to, to have a go and to make mistakes. And this, this really started before my time, and, and there's been a long history of it, of work with youth. I was even talking to John Brady this week, and he was talking about how he used to just drive his Land Rover around, and he'd pick up kids for youth group, and they'd have youth here in the 90s, and, and there's a long history. There's probably so many people who have been youth leaders or, or, or Sunday school leaders over the years, um, but I was talking to Stephen about this, and he, he's just written out a little bit of, of some of the history of, of the church really taking this seriously, this, this need to, to grow young people and help them actually know God, grow, and then, then go. So he, he's told some of this story here. I'm just going to read this out. Because um, this is a key part of our legacy as well. Oh, no grow goes on the wall there as well. There we go. He said this. When I was in my early teens, 
the leaders at Rivers were mostly in the thick of raising kids in their households. They were focused on how to disciple the church kids and how to outreach, help them outreach to their school friends. In 1996, Rivers took a risk, hiring a young, out-of-the-box youth leader named Mick Cross, even though money was tight. Mick spent a lot of time with us and helped us come to know Jesus personally and grow. He and others used to visit us at home and school so often that rich communities sprung up. Mick would regularly ask me, how's your relationship with Jesus going? Which I often dreaded because it wasn't always going great, but it was exactly what I needed to be personally discipled. Mick helped us outreach to our friends, many from unchurched families. Guys like Joel Boldero and Paul Redfern started coming along to youth group and ended up connecting in with Sunday Church too because they were friends with us church kids. Dozens came to know God and be baptized, grow together in discipleship community, and go and reach more of their friends. It snowballed into a pretty amazing place for young people to belong to and come to know God. So this is an example, really, of, of intentional decisions to, to give people an opportunity and a crack who then help other people create this environment that then spreads. And then I was at one of those schools, and I came in, and, and then it continues, and it, and it goes on. And that's the idea that this becomes this hub of discipleship and growth and transformation. And again, not just, we're talking a lot about youth, but it's not just for youth. This is a continual process for, for all ages that we're continually on that journey. So that's, that's kind of the highlight and, and the focus of the legacy that I'm talking about today, not just a family, but a formational discipleship family around No, Grow, Go. But I want to just, just think through um, just a couple of things of what we need to do to see that continue. And just, again, some postures and, and attitudes of what we need to expect um, that, we would, that we would continue to be that community here as well. Because being in a discipleship family or formation family around following Jesus will actually be uncomfortable at times. Um, Stephen made that point, right, in that quote, that, that Mick asking him about how's he going with Jesus was uncomfortable, but that was appropriate because the goal was not to make everyone comfortable or just to have fun youth games, but actually see people know Jesus and grow. And comfort is, is really important, and, and Louisa was praying about God's heart of, of comfort before, but, but comfort is not everything, and we cannot always be comfortable, because growth, if our, if our goal is that we're a community that grows together, growth is probably going to be uncomfortable. Um, I went to the gym the other day for the first time in a long while, and I've got really sore legs. It hurts, because when you want to grow muscle, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. That's part of the process of growth. It's something you have to embrace. Which means that if you are part of the family here at Rivers, and our focus is that we want to know, grow, and go, you need to expect that sometimes you will feel uncomfortable. And if you're not, then that's not a good sign, because we need to be growing. And often growth is unknown, is a bit scary, but it's something that we need to grow into. Because again, even the Lord doesn't mind us being uncomfortable. Jesus made people very uncomfortable at times. There's this great um, uh, story and, and quote in Jeremiah that I keep coming back to. There's a time when Jeremiah is complaining to God about all his problems and all his struggles and all these people who are against him. And this is the Lord's response. He says to Jeremiah, If you have raced on foot with men and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in the safe country, how will you manage in the thickets 
by the Jordan. He's complaining. He just wants to tap out. He's saying, this is too hard. I'm uncomfortable. And God's response is, you haven't seen anything yet. Like, this is the easy stuff, is what God says to him effectively. Like, what's coming is going to be way harder, so you better get used to this now, Jeremiah, because this is actually growing you and preparing you because it's going to get a whole lot harder. Like, the flood is going to come, and you need to be ready for that. Like, God is totally fine with him being uncomfortable because he knows he has to grow. And so, too, if we're going to be a community that is focused not just on gathering and not just on community, which is important, but on personal formation, spiritual growth, discipleship of ourselves and others, we have to embrace discomfort and be okay with that as a part of it. As well, being a family focused on knowing, growing, and going as we have in our, in our legacy and want to continue to be is going to also be messy at times. If we want to have a church that is just clean and tidy and simple and easy, the best thing we can do is just centralize everything around the top leadership and just control everything and run it like a factory and just be totally in control. That, that's the way to just make everything neat and tidy. Now, there's definitely some things that we need to do that with that are, uh, are more administrative, that are important, that need to be checked off on. But if we are a family that is much more focused on equipping people to just have a crack at what God is saying to them and how he's leading them, and we're releasing and encouraging people, there's going to be whole lots of different things spring out, spring up, and it's going to be much more grassroots and much more messy. In the same way is if, if we are encouraging people, and, and particularly young people or maybe new Christians or inexperienced people to just have a crack, they're going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to say things that don't, don't work out, and that's okay, but we need to uh, care for them and help them and, and grow them, but we need to embrace that. Alan Herman, again, used to talk about this, about, about messy church and the idea of letting the Holy Spirit lead and put passions and, and giftings on people and release them and not try to control it. Um, what children really need in a family is a, is a secure base that then they can explore the world in and have a go at things and, and make mistakes. And then it's also a safe haven that they can return back to and they can receive support and strength and comfort. And again, Rivers has been that. It's been a place people come into and then like Nick and Cass, they go right overseas. But then they come back and they receive support and encouragement. Then they go out and then they come back. And we're not trying to hold on to people. We're just trying to grow people and let them follow what God wants them to do. But again, that may be messy at times. But that's what we need. We don't need more churches that are just about a performance. And, and people actually don't just need more content. We, we have so much content we can download, we can listen to information. What we actually need is hubs of discipleship or communities of formation and growth and transformation where people can be challenged to participate and, and encouraged to have a crack and make mistakes but learn and grow through it. There's even this um, uh, podcast I was listening to this week which was talking about professional footballers and they've made this connection or someone has a theory that a connection that for someone to become a professional footballer, a soccer player, it's because they got a certain amount of minutes with the ball in high pressure situations in their club games or when they're growing up and they talk about the minutes and it's that, that these people got given the ball, they had to make a decision, they're they under pressure, and then that forced them to grow, and that happened enough times that they got to professional level. They needed actual hands-on experience and, and minutes. And then this was Mark Sayers, he started talking about discipleship 
minutes. And, and the way that people actually grow is actually by having the ball, actually doing the stuff. It's not just listening, but actually praying, actually stepping out, actually talking, sharing, helping, um, doing what God's saying, holding on when things are tough. That's actually what helps us to grow. Because again, the end goal is not just for us to have a great church. It's not for us to have a great service. It's not to get a heap of people here. It's to actually grow disciples and followers of Jesus, actually see people who can go and represent him into um, the future. Because this is the challenge that we face, is that we're not in 1980 anymore. We're in 2023. And we're talking about the next 50 years. What's that? 2073. Like, like what's the world going to be like then? And the challenges that, that people face now, and the challenges that particularly young people face now, and the pressures of seeking to form them to be someone that's not a follower of Jesus are very, very strong. So we need a huge amount of prayer and encouragement and support to see this legacy of being a community that no grows go continue into the future and to see the next generation raised up to continue that as well. Because really where we're at is a key point in the life of the church because it doesn't matter how well you run a relay, your leg of the relay, when you get to this point, all that matters is that it's passed on. The sprinter could have the, the, the best sprint in their relay and if they drop it, in the transition, it doesn't matter how good it was. That The transition has to happen. It has to be passed on. And really, as a church, this is kind of where we are and, and why we're talking about this, because there's been a, a rich legacy. We're at a point where it needs to transition, and we need, we need fresh energy and, and encouragement and support to see this legacy continue into the future. So that's kind of why we're talking about this and sort of the theme around that and the challenges that... that um, parents are facing at the moment, and, and people and, and all of us in this are, are, are significant. So we need to embrace this together, embrace the discomfort, embrace the mess, and pray and seek God's heart together. So what we're going to do just before we sing to finish is actually just have um, a short time of prayer. Um, and what I'd just like to encourage you to do is, is just going to give you a moment to pray by yourself. I just encourage you, if you are, you don't, this isn't really strict, right? I'm not saying that you're old if, old if you're over 50 or anything like that. But if you're, if you're under 50, I just, but everyone can do both of these. But if you're under 50, focus on praying and just a, a prayer of thanksgiving in your heart uh, for the legacy of this, this church. And if, if this isn't your church or you're kind of just visiting, maybe just give thanks to God for somebody who's impacted your life or for another church that that's been true of for you. Um, to just have a posture of, of honoring and thanksgiving and celebrating what God has done over the last 50 years. And if, and if you're over 50 or if you've been a part of that, I encourage you to pray asking God's blessing and wisdom for the next generation to carry this legacy of formation into the future and even to give thanks for, for the future because what we really need is faith um, that God, just like God worked for the first 50 years, He can work for the next 50 years that he has people, that he is working, that he will give solutions, but we need to pray, we need to seek him. So I'm just going to give you a moment to do that quietly, and then um, I'm just going to ask for some volunteers who could, who could just pray a prayer um, out loud, and I'll bring the microphone around, and maybe just have a, we'll just have a few people just to, just to pray corporately for this, because it's something we really need to be praying for. So again, I'll just, I'll just give you a moment to do that, then I'll just ask for some volunteers.